Hey, everybody. Uh, before we get into today's episode, uh, we're going to hit up the primary care pod, primary care pod at inbox. Uh, and the joke of the day is, Dr. List, how many tickles does it take to make an octopus laugh? The answer, 10. 10 tickles. <sighs> Tentacles. All right. Thanks. Let's start the podcast. The Primary Care Podcast is written and edited by a family physician for an audience of other physicians, nurse practitioners, physicians, assistants, residents, and medical students interested in primary care topics. This is not a podcast for patients and should not be used as medical advice. This is also a personal podcast produced on my own time and solely reflecting my personal opinions. Statements of this podcast do not reflect the views or policies of my employer, past or present, or any other organization with which I may be affiliated. Thank you for listening to the Primary Care Podcast. I'm Dr. Mark List, here to bring you the latest news, guidelines, and updates from primary care sources around the globe. Keeping it under 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and I'm not that smart. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. So uh, if you go back to June, uh, oh, yeah, by the way, the Primary Care Podcast, Dr. Mark List, welcome, pod girls, pod boys, pod people, forgot my introduction. Um, I'm so excited about today's episode because it's going to be super duper short, guideline update, COPD management, one of my most listened to episodes of all time. If you go back and look, uh, listen, because I, I think primary care, uh, primary care uh, providers can absolutely be managing COPD, the majority of COPD cases without any specialist interventions. Uh, back in June of 2022, um, I had an episode. Let me go back. Uh, I, my episodes are not numbered. So June 17th of 2022, and it is called COPD Management. Um, I, I think it's a, a really good, one of the best podcasts I ever produced um, and really gets into why I think primary care providers can manage uh, uh, COPD. Today, we are talking about the 2023 GOLD, which is the uh, Global Initiative of COPD Management. I'm not going to get into the acronym because I don't understand it. It's fine. Uh, GOLD, uh, Management of COPD. And really, um, if you go back and listen to that first episode, we're not going to rehash all the things, but major update changes, okay? Number one is we talked a little bit about GOLD 1, 2, 3, 4 based on um, FEV numbers that really hasn't changed very much. So basically, uh, you uh, you don't really uh, change that number at all based on what your spirometer looks like. The big changes is that we used to talk about Gold A, Gold B, Gold C, and Gold D, right? Gold A are people with very little symptoms and almost no exacerbations. Group B has a significant amount of symptoms, greater than two on the MRC. That's that question I said to remember about uh, how short a breath are you? And the answer is, uh, if the patient says, I walk slower than people of the same age on a normal, on a ground level because of breathlessness, or I have to stop for breath when walking on my own pace on ground level, that puts them in category or group B. Um, I said, ignore the CAT score, do the MMRC, because the MMRC is really easy to remember. Basically, you ask them that question, and if they're not as short of breath as that, that means that they are a gold A, and if they are that or above, they're a gold B. There used to be a gold C and gold D. They got rid of that. Basically, gold C and gold D are now combined, so now there's only three groups, group A, group B, and group E, which means doesn't matter what the patient says for their symptoms, for their modified MRC dyspnea scale, right? doesn't matter if they are slower or at the same speed as people the same age uh, because of breathlessness or if they have to stop for breathlessness. doesn't matter. 
if they have two exacerbations or one COPD-related hospitalization in a calendar year, 12-month 12 12-month 12 uh, past, they are group E, E for exacerbation. And why does this matter? Well, this is now where we start our patients. If you are in group A, minimal symptoms, minimal exacerbations or no exacerbations, you just start them on a long-acting beta agonist, a long-acting bronchodilator, okay? Um, you can choose, uh, they, they talk about a LABA. LAMAs can be appropriate for some patients, um, but basically stick with one of those and you will be fine. If the patient has an MMRC greater than two, right? They are slower than the average person their age because of breathlessness or they have to stop when walking at their own pace and they have no exacerbations. Puts them in category B again to repeat myself. They probably should be started according to the gold new update on both a LAMA and a LABA combination inhaler. Now, they make the caveat that a single inhaler therapy, either a LABA or a LAMA, right, may be more convenient and effective than a combined. Uh, this this uh, gold criteria, though, has very clear evidence that a combined therapy statistically probably is better than a single agent. Um, but again, they, they leave that caveat in there. And if you are in group E, you definitely start on a combination of LABA slash LAMA, period. Now, they again talk about specifically consider triple therapy, definite mortality benefit, definite uh, exacerbation benefit, um, consider LAMA slash LABA slash inhaled corticosteroid, but only if blood eosinophils are greater than 300. Again, we talked about that. If you go back and listen to that June 2020 update, that blood eosinophils is so important because inhaled corticosteroids and COPD are not impactful on symptom management and outcomes, and in fact can lead to an increase in the risk for pneumonia if given on COPD patients and they don't have an elevated blood eosinophil level, which to me, reading this update, the fact that they actually say ICS should never be used in a COPD patient unless they have elevated blood eosinophils really makes me reassess a lot of my current existing patients. So this is a practice change for me in terms of there is no CND anymore, very simple, combo therapy to start group E if they've ever been hospitalized for COPD or if they have two or more exacerbations. If they're group A, just one agent. If group B, can do one agent, but probably both need two agents. Um, where do we go from there? Basically, you bring them back and if, they're, if they don't have appropriate response to one, basically you make them a combo, LAMA slash LAMA. You should be checking their blood eosinophils if they are greater than um, 300. In this case, with exacerbations, if they're greater than 100 uh, and they have peripheral eosinophilia, even with a count greater than 100, they recommend trialing an ICS uh, in triple therapy. If they are on combination therapy and they are having breakthrough symptoms uh, and uh, they have an exacerbation, you can use Reflumalast, we talked about that on the last episode. That's an option. I have not yet used that, but that is a good option for somebody with an FEV less than 50. So um, definitely in that uh, higher grade, um, gold three, gold four. And you could also try and or to Reflumalast, could also try azithromycin on a routine basis to prevent flare-ups. Again, the downside being that chronic azithromycin can lead to um, drug resistance and it can also lead to hearing impairment. Uh, very fun fact. So, um, yep, just to recap that, group A, all should be placed on a bronchodilator. 
Um, and this can either be a short-acting beta agonist or preferably a long-acting beta agonist, um, but based on cost. And group B, that's the worst symptom patient, should be a combination, uh, basically, unless there's a cost issue and then you could do single therapy. Um, group E, definitely combo therapy and consider um, using a triple therapy if their blood eosinophils are up. And again, quote, use of a LABA slash ICS in COPD is not encouraged, and you should only be using triple therapy, not dual therapy, if it includes an inhaled corticosteroid. So my old technique back 10 years ago of using Advair for these people is now statistically not helpful and not recommended. So um, those are the big changes. Um, they also make some minor changes, so they no longer consider asthma slash COPD to be a combined entity. They now say that you can have both existing entities at the same time. You can have COPD with asthma-like features, but they no longer consider both obstructive lung diseases to be of the same nature, basically. So they had this like ACO thing, which was like uh, asthma chronic obstruction uh, process. They are no longer recommending that for documentation purposes, et cetera. Um, they talk about in this guideline, the role of CT scans, basically saying, if you're worried there's something else or their symptoms are more outlandish than you'd expect for a normal exacerbation or for a normal um, for their normal baseline, you can consider it to look for other structural lung diseases um, that would be causing shortness of breath um, and, and overall symptoms. And really, again, they focus on get the patient to stop smoking, uh, get the patient to stop smoking, get the patient to stop smoking. They talk about the benefits of pulmonary rehab. They talk about the benefits of exercise, all things that we as primary care physicians can advocate for. Um, and that's really it. If you listen to the uh, podcast in 2020 and June, you're going to know most of it. Um, but hopefully this is a nice update on the reclassification of the gold assessment. Um, again, gold ABE, uh, gold one through four based on their FEV. Gold one, if again, if you don't want to go back and listen, gold one is if their FEV one is greater than 80, gold two is 50 to 79, gold three is 30 to 49, and gold four is less than 30. I don't believe those numbers have changed, but that doesn't really matter technically because really all we care about is A, B, and E. And so again, um, just uh, I think focus on the stuff that we can control, change prescribing habits based on the cost, um, and uh, whenever possible, cost and um, effectiveness and patient preference obviously are the most important things. And yeah, oh, uh, also I think I, I mentioned it in the last episode, but to repeat it, short-acting beta agonists, great for symptom control, short-acting muscarinics, aka ipitropium, also very good. Um, and the combination of albuterol plus ipitropium, much better than either one by themselves. So remember that uh, tidbit. And uh, yeah, we're going to wrap up this episode really quickly. Um, they basically also recommend the updated pneumonia vaccination. So going to a PCV uh, 20 is much preferred. Um, if you have to do the PCV 15 because of access, then they also recommend an additional PPSV uh, 23. Um, but again, going to the new P PCV 20 is recommended. Besides that, everything else is the same. Go back and listen to the old episode. We'll try and keep this under 11 minutes. Uh, thanks for listening. This has been Dr. Markless with the Primary Care Podcast. And a uh, reminder, you don't need to stay up all night. Stay up to date. Thanks. Bye. Have a great week.